this family Sunday. I don't want to drop that. You might not remember this about me. Maybe we don't know each other very well. Um, but I used to actually work in the, ch the Sunday school program here at Emmaus and at churches around uh, the country. And I absolutely love working with children and families. It is one of the greatest passions I have, which means I especially love Family Sundays. How can I love Family Sundays, you might ask, especially if you're one of the children and youth, or maybe a parent of a child or youth, and you're thinking, the service is boring, I just want to have Sunday school like normal and do our Sunday school stuff. You might be wondering why we can't, this is boring, there's nothing for me to do here. Well, children and youth, and maybe others, I'm sorry if it feels like that way at times. So maybe to make it a little bit better, I wanna let you in on a not so secret secret about why we do Family Sundays. We do Family Sundays to give our children's ministry a break. I'm totally joking. That's 100% not why we do Family Sundays. We do Family Sundays here at Emmaus because we believe that we are better when we worship together. When children and adults are praising God through worship, listening to the same verses and learning with and from each other, it is a great blessing. We are all considered the family of Christ, which means that we really should be spending time together doing life, and not only after the service when we're enjoying snacks and coffee. Family Sundays are about shared experiences, about the children knowing and understanding what happens in the service after they typically leave for Sunday school, and it's also about the adults, not just parents, knowing and understanding what is happening in Sunday school. I admit that I haven't always been really good at finding out what is going on in Sunday school, especially since my son is now graduated high school and he's a little too old for that. So children and youth, tell me after the service, Come and tell me something you have learned recently, something you have enjoyed, something that has challenged you. And don't just tell me, tell everyone. We really do want to know. Shared experiences help build relationships, friendships, and even mentorships. And mentorships are where there's someone who's maybe older than you, maybe a little wiser than you, better life experiences or different life experiences, more education, or maybe they just love you like crazy and they're there to help you live life. Having children and parents worshiping together is important. Children, because you get to see your parents worship. You get to see what they do in church and how their faith grows and changes through the actions of what they do within this building. 
They're modeling for you their faith. But you know what? They also get to see you grow and change and see how your faith develops both through Sunday school and through the greater church service, like on family Sundays. It's important because the church isn't just for adults. It's for everyone. And I know personally, I believe that there isn't actually a child who's too young to be in this service. I know it gets a little noisy and a little distracting at times, but that's okay. From my experience working with children, but more than that, from my experience as a child and youth whose faith was founded in the church and then nurtured through the church, this is the best place to be. Now, I'd like to offer up a prayer at this moment before we dig into the scripture that's up above the board. Dear Lord, I just ask you again, like many others already have this morning, I just ask that you open our hearts and our minds and our attitudes and our emotions to what you have to say to us. I have prepared, and now it's up to you to speak each to each heart exactly what you want us to hear. Thank you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. So, shared experiences only really work when the information is actually shared. So let me catch you up on what we have been talking about last week, because today's verses are a continuation of what we were discussing last week. Last week, we talked about the first section of Matthew 10, where Jesus is talking to his disciples and telling them of their task to go out into the nation of Israel to preach his word, to heal and to minister and to be with the people. But you know what? He warned them that it wasn't going to be easy. They were going to be ignored. They were going to be shamed. They were going to be persecuted. It was going to be hard. He told them to trust him for their care and to not bring things with them, to trust that everything will be provided and to just keep preaching the word from town to town. And like I said, the verses for today's sermon were the next part of the conversation that Jesus was having with his close group of disciples. Let's read them again so that we remember. Do not think that I have come to bring peace. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be of those in his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
whoever receives me, remember, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, whoever receives you, pardon me, them, uh, receives me, which is Jesus, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me, which was his father God. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Well, everybody, I'm not gonna even pretend. Those are hard verses to understand, especially on a family Sunday. And they seem very contradictory to other things that Jesus says throughout other parts of the gospels. We usually think of Jesus talking to large groups of people like he did in the Sermon of the Mount, just a few verses, just a few chapters before these verses. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So if Jesus wants us to be peacemakers, he wants us to be peaceful, why is he now telling his disciples, talking to his disciples about swords and enemies and taking up your cross? So what do we do when we don't understand what a verse means? What do we do when they feel contradictory to other parts of scripture? Well, we do our homework. We do research, right? We pray. We read and cross-reference scripture, these scriptures versus others. We read books of other people who have prayerfully done their homework and have written about the words in the scripture. And then we talk to other Christians. After doing this research reflection, well, my homework, uh, there's three things I want us to talk about today. I'm sure there's so many more, and I will tell you, I did not mention every verse in that section, but I think these are some key things for us to remember. Firstly, don't be afraid to stand up for what you believe in. It might seem a bit of a stretch to get to that idea from these verses, but hear me out. These verses start with what seems to be a call to aggression, with the talk of swords and a lack of peace. However, Jesus is not actually advocating for us or his disciples to become aggressive or violent. It's much more likely that Jesus is mentioning the sword, not of violence, but of a symbolic representation of conflict and trouble. Jesus is saying that the lives of his followers will not always be peaceful. It might feel like you're in a battle sometimes. Whether you're old or whether you're young, it's not easy to be a Christian. Throughout actually most of chapter 10, Jesus has been warning his disciples about what life could look like for them as his followers and of his sharers of the good news. However, as we keep reading, we do see that there is reward for staying the course, for being brave and for holding true to what we believe and preaching that good word. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. We will gain life. 
and we will be received by God, which is the greatest of rewards. I don't know about you, everybody, but I do not enjoy conflict. I do not at all like the thought that anyone might look poorly at me or not like me, which means there have been times in my life when I don't say something that might be the unpopular opinion. I don't always speak up when I should because I don't want conflict. So I keep quiet and not mention my faith. And that's a reality, unfortunately, but that's wrong. Jesus here seems to be saying in these verses that as Christians, we can and probably should expect there to be times that when we speak up, there'll be conflict and division, but to do it anyways. There might, this might mean that we could lose a friend, become less popular, perhaps get passed over for a promotion at work, or even lose family members. Verse 35 says that he has come to turn parents against child, implying that even our families are not safe from the separation that might take place when you love Jesus and they don't. I want to be clear. These strong examples Jesus is giving does not mean we can intentionally be rude, mean, or argumentative. He's not telling us to start fights. There is nothing that I have ever found in the character of Jesus or his teachings that would indicate that it's okay to be intentionally cruel while sharing our opinions of faith. He wasn't telling his disciples to be stubborn know-it-alls who go around saying mean things. He wanted them to be warned, and in turn, for us to be warned that when we do stand up, we could expect consequences. People could be angry with us. They may call us names, they may not want to be our friends, or even ever talk to us again. However, even when people are upset with us, we do not respond in kind. We should strive to show them kindness, compassion, and Christ's love. The second point is that our priority needs to be our relationship with Jesus. When Jesus is talking in verse 37, he says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So here he is telling his disciples that we need to put him first, even over things we would traditionally have valued above all else like our families. We have been taught to honor our mothers and our fathers, and we're not being told here to stop that. That is not what this verse is saying, but that we need to put Christ even before our family relationships. And as a child and youth, I would never have understood um, the need to put Jesus before my family because I just naturally would have. It just made sense to me that Jesus comes first as a youth. 
But now as a parent, I can absolutely understand the temptation to put my family and my child above everything else. Jesus was giving his disciples a warning to not let our children and family become like idols to us, where they are the most important, even over him. He wanted to prepare them for the hard possibility that even family members, perhaps a parent, a child, or a sibling, will turn away from you when you love him and they don't. It's a tough warning to hear. But the third point I would like to make is more encouraging. At least I find it more encouraging. Let's look at verse 42. Whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because they are a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. I want to focus on this verse, like I said, because I find it encouraging. I don't know about you, but I have often thought that only those who do really great things for Jesus get rewards, right? Like, the pastors, the priests, the missionaries, those are the ones that people are noticing. Those are the works of service that God remembers. But this verse is speaking differently. This verse is telling us that whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water will get a reward. Now, the little ones that they're talking about here, according to that homework and research I did, are actually the disciples. So they're speaking to, who are new. They're little in their preaching. They're new to this. So when others support the work that is happening in Christ, we are getting rewards. That means we, too, are supporting the work of God in the little things that we do. Boys and girls and ladies and gentlemen, we don't have to be great teachers and preachers. We are helping the kingdom of God when we have good attitudes towards activities, when we are maybe ushering or helping at church, when we are helping our non-Christian friends because of your love for Jesus, you are doing great things. They don't have to look like great things to be great things. Our little things might be, go unnoticed by the people around us, but they do not go unnoticed by God. Just because we're not great teachers or priests does not mean what you do doesn't matter. You are a part of God's work, whether it's big things or little things. Now, I want to end by coming back to the concept of shared experience one more time. Jesus was talking to his disciples that those experiences, the bullying, the persecution, the division, the conflict, the death, the getting kicked out from town to town, everything that chapter 10 talks about, they're all possible for anyone who follows him publicly. Anyone who speaks up which means those are potentially our shared experiences. 
between each one of us, every Christian that has come before us and every Christian that will come after us has the potential of the same shared experiences. Things will not always look the same for each of us. We, as we hold on to our faith, as we love others, as we come across moments in our lives where we get that brave moment to speak out and share what we believe with others, it might look different than you expect. Yours might look different than my your experiences, might look different than my experiences, than your parents' experiences, than your friends' experiences. But that doesn't mean they're not still shared experiences. We still worship the same God. We still pray for and support each other, giving each other that cold glass of water the scripture tells us about, helping each other. We can support the church and the community around us and around the world. All of our experiences are different from one another, but our love for Jesus and the church brings us together in shared experience. And we need to support each other as we live our lives together as a church family. The fact that we get to learn with and support each other, young and old, new Christian, seasoned Christian, as we go through life and these shared experiences, it is the greatest gift that we can give each other. And that is why I love Family Sundays. Let's pray. Jesus, you have given us the great gift of not only your scripture and yourself and your life and your death, but you have given us the gift of family. Whatever that looks like for each of us, single people, married people, children, no children, it can look so different for each one of us, but every time we come into this building, we know that we are a family and that our family extends beyond just this building. It extends to every follower of you in Montreal, in Quebec, in Canada, around the world. And as we celebrate today, in this local community help us to remember that there are believers around the world who are facing some of what you have talked about in matthew 10 some of that persecution some of that separation and conflict and division and although they're far from us we lift them up in prayer we understand that that is a shared experience we can support them in through prayer and love and through services that the church and, and other organizations offer as well. Thank you so much for reminding me of the value of this family. And I just pray for each one of us, young and old, as we move into this week. May we see 
little and big opportunities to support your work and to be brave and speak out. In your name we pray.